God's word today, we will turn to Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 to 46. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people from people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Amen. God is the King of righteousness. God is the King of righteousness. God is the King of righteousness. Hebrews chapter 7 2 says he is the king of righteousness so god is the king of righteousness he sits on the throne that is prepared for judgment so he sits on the throne that is prepared for judgment in psalms chapter 9 and chapter 11 as well as chapter 122 5 it says this so he judges righteously and separates the righteous and the wicked as it says in psalms that he judges righteously and distinguishes the righteous and wicked and to the righteous he gives his kingdom as an inheritance so so this is a combination of many bible verses our faith is believing this fact and believing through jesus that we have been justified that we have been made righteous and this is the faith that we have in romans chapter 5 1 it says we have been justified through faith and this is what we believe the life of this faith is until the end it is to abide in his righteousness uh, so he has prepared a new heaven and new earth for us to inherit to us and um, what faith life is, is living until we receive it as inheritance. So when we say righteousness, it's difficult and it, it, it sounds very difficult and it sounds something to do with the law, but even if it's difficult to comprehend, uh, we, if we get stuck on this, we cannot understand further. So, if one becomes illegal, no matter what you do, even if you do relief work or uh, contribute, uh, it doesn't matter. So we have to get through this and come to an understanding. So righteousness is the standard of right and wrong. So it is the righteousness is a standard of what is right and wrong. So righteousness, it seems very difficult, but it existed in all nations and eras. 
even before all mankind. And if it did not exist, then human society would not have continued or have been sustained till this day. So in order for human society to continue, there needs to be laws and regulations. So more and more, we see that the standards are being distorted and people are saying it's truly the end times. And the world is going that way of wickedness. However, uh, the Bible tells us there is a day of judgment. Our ancestor Adam lived in the Garden of Eden without any limitations, but God gave him a command to not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for he will surely die. So the Lord commanded him to not eat because the law was set and was given to this living being. So from that moment, he was not supposed to eat from it. And if he did, death would enter him. But in that garden was the devil who deceived Eve and Adam to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So Adam disobeyed the law that was not to be broken. And as a result, in Matthew chapter 25, 41, it says uh, that uh, their, the fate was decided to go to hell with the devil, the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. So Adam and Eve were cast out from the Garden of Eden, and from then on, uh, they had offspring, and mankind continued. So I'm not sure if they were taught when they were young, but since birth, um, all mankind by nature are wicked and pursue the lust of the flesh and what this tells us they they have this heart of knowing that it's bad and they should not continue it but they find themselves uh, to sin so it shows how mankind have sinned and became slaves and children of the devil and that they uh, in Ephesians chapter 2 3 uh, it describes them as children deserving of wrath. It says that as soon as mankind was born, they didn't know where they learned it or where it came from, but by nature, uh, they were children of wrath. So children deserving of wrath. So the flesh was, became wicked because uh, sin entered. And since mankind are born, we were by nature uh, deserving wrath and destined to go to hell. And in Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. That by nature, uh, we were children of wrath, following the devil. And even today, like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath, following the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. So in this world, there are many religions and um, there are the lowest form religions where there are no promises or set principles and all they do is just pray for things with the hope that their prayers will be answered. Uh, however, there are also uh, superior uh, religions where uh, there are laws and regulations that must be kept and if they keep such laws that are set then they are deemed as righteous so there are these religions where they set regulations like not eating certain foods and also uh, really uh, restraining themselves, making an effort to not sin. 
you see with monks, they endure hardships on their own, and uh, people like Muhammad make such efforts. But what they do not realize is that their life, uh, the moment that they were born, they were born as those deserving of wrath, children of wrath. they may think, I don't want to sin, but it keeps welling up in me. It is because we are sinners by nature. And they work so hard to resist and keep the regulations, but after just one mistake, everything falls apart and it is all in vain. So when we read the Bible, so the history of the Bible, it, it speaks of the wickedness of mankind. So how mankind came to sin and the uh, aspects of their sinfulness being revealed and how wicked uh, we are. And we see that it, uh, we see it in the story of the Garden of Eden and that it uh, first appeared also in Cain, who was the uh, first offspring of Adam. Because his offering failed while his brothers was received by God, he became very angry and jealous and killed him. And God, knowing his heart, warned him, saying, If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. However, he could not overcome this temptation of sin. And uh, and also, in the story of Lamech, he says, I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for injuring me. So, so he was wounded and he was injured. And if Cain is avenged seven times, then Lamech, 77 times. So Cain sinned, but if Lamech is avenged, it would be 77 times. And it shows how mankind became even wickeder through the years. And when it came to the point where God could no longer take it, during the time of Noah, God, he punished all mankind through the great flood. So God planned to judge all mankind through the flood. When the Lord saw the great wickedness of the humans on earth, he planned to wipe them out. And this is recorded in the Bible. And uh, Noah, however, was saved because the kind of man he was, was that he received grace from God. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time. And even though wickedness was increasing there was a man who was righteous and didn't sin at that time and it says he was a righteous man blameless among the people of his time god prophesied to him of a day of judgment by the flood and after he judged mankind with the flood how did noah escape the punishment the whole world was wiped away because of sin but as noah was found as righteous he was saved and because of his righteous acts uh, he was saved and god uh, left this as an example afterwards there was lot uh, who was in the land of sodom and gomorrah And when the Lord saw the land, he saw wickedness in that place. And so he told Abraham that he would judge that land. When Abraham heard of this, he was worried as Lot was living there. And so he asked God. So I'm sure everyone has read this already, right? So so Abraham asked, him what if there are 50 righteous people in the city will you really sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of the 50 righteous people and um 
So we continue the line of questioning uh, from uh, to 50 to 45 to 40 and kept going down until it was 10 people. And if there were 10 people, um, God said he wouldn't destroy them. Abraham didn't think there'd be 10, so he turned away without saying anything further. Then two angels arrived as Sodom and warned Lot's family of the destruction to come. And as soon as Lot and his family fled the city, it was completely destroyed. So ultimately, through that event, what did God seek by the destruction? That before the destruction, he sought the righteous. But do you think there were any there? During that time in that place, the family of Lot was saved. But was he a righteous man? Do you think he was a righteous man? That do you think his soul, spirit, and flesh was righteous? No, because he was descended from Adam. But at the time, so Noah, as he was descended from Adam, and that's God, but because God saw certain acts and regarded him as righteous, uh, uh, God saved them. So the Israelites, who were living as slaves in Egypt were led out by Moses and when they arrived in the desert God told them that you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation that you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation even though the Israelites were called as a holy nation a holy people even their, do you think their natural tendencies changed? Their natural instinct did not change. But, and so God gave them the law in which there were 613 points. So how difficult must it have been to keep all 613 points to the law? There were so many do's and don'ts. And he said, if you keep them, then you will be deemed as righteous. That if you keep them you will be deemed as righteous in psalm chapter 119 verse 172 it says for all your commands are righteous and says that if you keep the commandments then you will be regarded as righteous that if you observe and obey the commandments that if you obey then you will be deemed as righteous so it's by their righteous acts uh, that they would be deemed righteous but if they do not keep them then they would be put to death so they worked very hard uh, through the hundreds of years of fearful days and to those who did not keep them it didn't matter it did not matter if they were family or who they were they were put to death and so they went through these dark times in fear and I explained last week that their kingdom, uh, their nation came to destruction. And during that time, they lived uh, during uh, the Middle Ages where there were no prophets and where there was no king. And it was called the Middle Ages, uh, the Dark Ages, as there were no one, there was no one to guide them, no one to lead them, no king or prophet. and during that time as they spent days during that era they realized that as there was no one telling them what to do no one guiding them uh, so as though they knew certain actions were bad uh, they continued uh, doing them and, and amongst them uh, there was one who said if we continue the if you if we continue this way we will come to destruction when lot was in the land of sodom god completely destroyed them with sulfur and fire except for lot and his family so who did god seek he sought the righteous how many 50 and then it went down to 10 righteous people but as there wasn't even that many he destroyed that place so the Israelites 
um, through their history, um, uh, they knew the result. Uh, and so therefore, uh, what began was the movement of the righteous people, the Pharisee movement. They realized if they continued in their ways, even now they were living in darkness, but if they continue to their wicked acts, they would be completely destroyed. So during the Pharisee movement, they started this. And by the time John the Baptist appeared, the people who participated in this movement grew to around 5,000. And when John the Baptist came, he said, uh, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. So heaven, it sounds good, but repent didn't sound as good. So repent uh, was the message that he came with. And as John the Baptist lived in the desert, eating locusts and honey, he did not sound like an ordinary prophet, but rather a great one. So they felt the need to listen to him. And when he said to repent, those who are baptized can repent. So when you say repent, it's to the sinners. So they realized that they needed to be baptized and come out of the water. Uh, but John the Baptist said, I baptize you with water for repentance. I baptize you with water for repentance. And when you come out of the water, um, you will be forgiven of your sins. And so this is how they understood this, that only sinners can partake in this. But those who said that I have nothing to do with sin as I don't sin were mostly the Pharisees for they were the ones who added to the 613 points of the law, like the law of Sabbath, starting from morning until sunset, they had to keep the Sabbath. That if they wanted to keep the Sabbath well, the moment the sun went down, the Sabbath would start. So they decided that in order to keep it well, they had to start ahead of time and start the Sabbath from the day before, from the morning. So, so during the Sabbath, uh, they said that you were not to take more than 100 steps. And if you did, you would start sweating and that would be considered working. And they would not even be allowed to even pick up things from the floor as that would be considered working as you're bending your waist. So there were so many restrictions and, uh, and so they became slaves to the law of the Sabbath. And if someone was found disobeying and two or more witnessed it, then they if there was two or more who witnessed this act of disobedience, then they'd say, you saw it too, right? And it was enough to, uh, they take the offender and drag them before the high priest to be stoned to death. Without being able to explain themselves, they were dragged uh, to be stoned. And so they were living in this very fearful time and um, they were, wouldn't meet people, they wouldn't go out to avoid sinning. Uh, now John the Baptist came and said to repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. So they heard this and went to see him and there were people being baptized the, uh, who acknowledged they were sinners. So the Pharisees went and and as well, and said, I should get it too, as it's better than not receiving it. And so when they went to be baptized, thinking that it would not hurt, uh, John said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath, uh, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. So 
they were headed to hell, and so the Pharisees were shocked by what John the Baptist said. So the Pharisees, the Pharisees, at that time, were the self-proclaimed righteous people, and they not only kept the law, but they also enhanced the law and kept it. Like if people put a fence around the garden to prevent others from entering the garden, they kill offenders before they even went past the fence. So they kept the law to that point. And if asked, where are the righteous? They'd say, me, here I am. And this, these were the Pharisees. So they started during the 400 years of the Dark Ages and the people involved with this movement grew to thousands. So after the appearance of John the Baptist, Jesus Christ came and he appeared before the temple and toward it he said, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. Because what was in that temple, he was saying to destroy it and what he meant. And so the temple contained the name of Jehovah and by that name, God gave the commandments. He gave the law, and if kept, they were regarded as righteous. So though God would regard their actions through the flesh as righteous, by nature, they were still sinful. By nature, they were children deserving of wrath. But the law would regard them as righteous if they kept it. So the law the function of the law was to let them know what sin is that sin to be recognized as sin and romans chapter 7 verse 12. so then the law is holy and the commandment is holy righteous and good did that which is good then become death to me by no means nevertheless in order that sin might be recognized as sin, it used what is good to bring about my death, so that through the commandment, sin might become early sinful. So the law and commandment, sin might become utterly sinful. So if you kept the commandment, then in your flesh, you will be regarded as righteous. But by nature, nothing changed. But people thought if they kept it, they would be regarded as righteous. But in fact, the law's true function was not to make you righteous by keeping it, but rather the law was what made people confess that they are sinners. No matter how much they tried, they couldn't help it because by nature they are children of wrath and they are sinful. And this was the function of the law. So people misunderstood the law. When God gave the command to not eat the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, what sin came about? By eating the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the original sin entered into all mankind in Adam. They were born with the original sin. Now everyone when born has the sin in their spirit and this sin comes about and is revealed through the actions of the flesh. And through the actions of the flesh, the sin that condemns us reveals our sinful nature in our spirit. So if we break, so through the law, if they broke even one, they would have to instantaneously turn back and repent. But that was not enough. Even if one repented right away, they had to wait for the Savior to redeem them and atone for their sins. So we have to read the Bible correctly. So God, he gave the law and allowed us to know these sins. And when Jesus came, there were people who tried hard to not commit adultery or to steal, but that, but Jesus said, it doesn't matter what law you try to keep, but if you break one, it's the same as breaking all the 
in a lot. So it's like a dodgeball game. You try to dodge all the balls that come at you. You go this way and that to dodge the balls. But if one person is remaining and they play until sundown and everyone is out except you, you are bound to be hit and might as well have been hit from the start. So this is what the Bible teaches us, that mankind from birth are children of wrath. That before mankind existed, there was the devil who is the origin of sin, who was the first to sin. And because of the devil, Adam sinned and was bound to lose before the devil the origin of sin. So if God wanted them to live peacefully in the Garden of Eden uh, forever um, in this paradise on earth, why did God allow the devil to be there and why the fruit? If none of this was there, then Adam would have lived happily ever after. But this was not the plan of God. For who is God? God is the king of righteousness. He is the king of righteousness and he judges righteously. And as he does, he separates the wicked and righteous. And to the righteous, he had a plan to take them to his kingdom. And in order for that to happen, there needed to be a process for all the events that occurred in the Garden of Eden. So everything makes sense now. So wherever Jesus went, large crowds followed him, just like how reporters, they follow the president. And when they hear the president's going, they follow. And so like that, wherever Jesus went, the ones who followed him were the Pharisees. They didn't uh, fall asleep and they had these fiery eyes trying to hear what Jesus was saying and would take note of that. But Jesus spoke uh, intently for them to hear. And he said to his disciples, for I tell you, you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. And when the Pharisees heard this, they probably thought he acknowledged their righteousness as the disciples were not righteous enough so they could go to heaven. And because of what Jesus said, they were so pleased and listened to Jesus more. But Jesus also said, I did not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. I did not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. So they heard this and were uh, like, what does this mean now? He said something good about us before, but now it's something bad. So they were confused. And Jesus said to the Pharisees in Matthew 21, 31, Truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. That the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. So the tax collectors and prostitutes were the lowest of humans. But Jesus said that they will be entering the kingdom of God. They will be entering heaven ahead of, before that. And then it says, Pharisees, the kingdom of God will be taken from you, that you are hypocrites. That the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a nation bearing the fruits of it. So they were hypocrites. And um, that when you serve, do not be like the hypocrites. And Jesus said, although uh, the flesh and the outside do all works, but if their hearts, there is no change in the heart and it is just filled of wickedness. Um, he condemned such people. He condemned the Pharisees and put them to shame for living such a way. He regarded all the works they did as nothing. So their anger increased all the more and they said, kill that man. Uh, they had this heart to put him to death. And Jesus Christ eventually died due to the accusations of the Pharisees. So Pilate, the governor, 
he tried to save Jesus. But uh, they shouted all the more that if he didn't put Jesus to death, then he was opposing Caesar. And as they shouted and created an uproar, Jesus was handed over uh, to death. So the reason why Jesus died was because of the Pharisees, the so-called righteous people, the self-proclaimed righteous, the Pharisees who couldn't realize they were sinners, equated themselves with the law. The laws Jesus gave through, though he, so there was the original sin, and then there was the self-committed sins, and now with Jesus, there came the sins of self-desire. And, and so the Pharisees, they grew in anger towards Jesus and wanted to put him to death. So the Pharisees grew, started during the time of the 400 years of the Dark Ages. If maybe there were prophets, they would have heard, tried to follow uh, the prophets and um, would have turned around and repented. But why was this era given? Where, why was it given? It's so it was to lead to the emergence of these self-righteous people. As it, it's as if when rain comes after a long drought, you see these sprouts coming up from the ground. So for 400 years, there was no prophets, no prophecies. But after that, uh, we see uh, the emergence of these Pharisees come about. And even this is part of God's schedule. There is nothing that happened without his command. So in his schedule, there was a plan for the 400 years of the Dark Ages, and thereby the emergence of the Pharisees becoming self-righteous people. And the Jews became even more fearful of sin and were oppressed even more. And they thought, when will this era end and the one who would save us come? So even this was leading to Jesus' death, and it did not happen by coincidence. And so when Jesus died, he said, it is finished. And what did he finish? He finished all the commands of the Father. In John chapter 10, 18, it says he received the command from the Father. He died according to the commands of the Father. He had the authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. So he did not die forcefully, but he chose with his authority to lay down his life and die. So the death of Jesus was according to the command of the Father. And if he kept the command, if he kept the law, what did we say that you would become? That you would become righteous. So he died according to the command of the Father and it confirmed uh, his righteousness. It confirmed that he is the righteousness. He proclaimed he is the righteousness. So by nature, Jesus does not have anything to do with sin because by nature, he is the son of God. He is God. He is the one who has no sin. So in essence, by nature, he is the righteous one. So there's the Son of God, and to say Son of Man is that with flesh, he obeyed the command of the Father to die. So through this, his death, he confirmed he is the righteousness, and that by nature, he is one who cannot sin. So Jesus is God who cannot sin by nature. So he confirmed Jesus as the righteousness. And through his righteousness that obeyed the command of the Father, he condemned the devil. The devil who left his proper domain on his own and his sin that had the heart to become like God, he was condemned for such sin. And the death that 
of Jesus also atoned the sins of all mankind, and he liberated them from the punishment of the sin. And the, those who have received his blood into their spirits, so they receive the blood how? Through faith. They receive the blood through faith. So the death and the blood of Jesus, the death and the blood of Jesus, you receive it by faith. And those who know and receive this, the blood enters their souls and they are made righteous. They are justified. So the blood of Jesus and righteousness. So by nature, who are we? By nature, we are those deserving of wrath, our spirit and flesh as well. But by receiving his blood, we are made righteous. In your soul, our souls have been made righteous. So do you have the blood of Jesus in your soul? If so, say amen. That I, the soul, am righteous before God. Do you have this confidence? Amen. Say, I have no doubts at all. To be righteous means you are lawfully made right before God, that I, the soul, am made righteous, justified. But, however, our flesh, is it made righteous as well? Not yet. The problem is that we are still here, that by nature we are those deserving of wrath. So, our souls were deserving of going to hell with the devil as sinners, as as our flesh as well. But we, so it's true that our souls are made righteous. Amen. And this is done by grace. So Jesus died and resurrected, and his resurrection is, so his death confirmed that he is the righteousness and he established his righteousness. So the death of Jesus is he is made righteous and his resurrection is proof of that. And the thieves were put to death with him, but by resurrecting, he proves he is righteous and he ascended to heaven and is seated on the throne. And he is a king of righteousness, king of righteousness. Last week, which king is he? He is a king of kings and the Lord of lords. And this week, he is the king of righteousness. As the king of righteousness, righteousness is the standard of right and wrong. He sits on the throne, and it is the throne of judgment. It is the throne where judgment is made. So in places like Europe, so it's a government that was separated from the monarchy, but there are many nations where the king has authority to put someone to death or to save them. Now the government is a little different with democracy, but in the past, like with uh, the monocratic government, a king had the authority to govern and judge whether to put someone to death or not. So Jesus Christ judged with his righteousness and reigns with righteousness. And soon after, he sent the Holy Spirit and he comes to pro proclaim the gospel. In Romans chapter 1:17. So the gospel spread after the coming of the Holy Spirit. And in Romans chapter 1:17, For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. So in the gospel, what is there? There is righteousness. So shortly after the ascension of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit came, and only a few disciples experienced his coming. And when the Holy Spirit came, a strange gospel started to spread. But in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. And just as written, the righteous will live by faith. So the righteous will live by faith. In other words, the righteous become so only by faith. So such a thing was unheard of then. So how did one become righteous at that time? It was by keeping the law. And this is what they had uh, known this whole time. 
During the time of the Pharisees, they lived and believed this, but this gospel was preached uh, that one is righteous by faith. By faith. So you become righteous and say amen. So that was good news, that the Holy Spirit has come. The Holy Spirit has come. Send from the Word of God. So are you happy? So if you have followed the Word today, you should be joyful. From Genesis to what happened throughout all those years. If you understand this, then this news should bring great joy. Amen. That with all those countless laws and expanded ones by the Pharisees, you don't become righteous by keeping them, but rather you become righteous by faith. No, you faith in what faith in jesus christ that he is the righteousness of god amen hallelujah so this news was being spread all over but who were the most joyful hearing this gospel saying hallelujah first it was probably the tax collectors and prostitutes right why because in this world of righteous people they are those who were not considered righteous and these people had this fear of where they would end up and had hope for the law to change that if you kept it you'd be made righteous so when the gospel this gospel was spread they were full of joy so who are christians they are those made righteous by faith those justified by faith so christians are those who proclaim i have been justified by faith that by faith i have been justified before god before the nation before whoever i'm confident that i have become those uh i have become righteous by faith so what kind of faith so this faith has to be in the right things. You have to believe in the right things, which is first, you have to believe in the incarnation of Jesus Christ. That the Word became flesh, that God became flesh, Spirit became flesh. Jesus Christ is God who is sinless, that Jesus Christ has nothing to do with sin. From birth, by nature, in eternity, He is the righteous one. In the beginning, he was the Word, and when the Word was with the Father, the, so the Father, God, is righteous, and he who was in the Father came in the flesh. He is also the righteousness. So we have to first believe that he is righteous and has nothing to do with sin. If we don't believe this and just say he is love and he is a good man, it doesn't just end there. You have to believe that Jesus Christ is God who is without sin. And even with the sword to your neck, you must believe in this. And this is the first thing we ought to believe. And then second, he died on the cross. Say amen if you believe. So there are the countless Catholic churches putting up the crosses saying he died. But what does his death have to do with me? With the death of the last Adam, he atoned the sins of the first Adam, as mentioned in 1 Corinthians 4, 1 Corinthians 15, 45. So who is the first Adam? It is all mankind, including us. The sins of the first Adam, the sins of our sins, the last Adam, Jesus Christ redeemed. So we have to believe in the redemption. So first, we have to believe that Jesus is the sinless God. And second, we believe that the death of Jesus, that with his death, he redeemed our sins, that he atoned for our sins, all mankind's sins. So if you believe that he paid the price of sin, if you truly welcome this, then you receive the name of Jesus and the blood of Jesus and say, the blood of Jesus is in me. And now third, we have to believe that Jesus Christ is living. As he is alive, his death was not in vain, but his death was an atoning death and had nothing to do with sin. And fourth, 
is that he will surely return. So we have to believe in his return. And when he returns, he will come as the judge who judges the living and the dead. He will come as the judge. So what do we have to believe? First, we have to believe that Jesus is without sin. And second, that he paid for our sins. And third, he resurrected and he is living. And fourth, we have to believe he will return as the judge. Amen. He is the one who will come to judge the living and the dead, the righteous and wicked. He will come to judge. So everyone who came today, you realize you did not do anything but have been justified, that you have been made righteous. Do you believe you are righteous? I am righteous. Other religions say you have to keep this or that, but for us, after hearing this, it sounds good and it makes sense. And you say, Amen, you welcome it. And after you receive Jesus, what do you become? Your soul, your spirit has been made righteous. Amen, hallelujah. The problem, however, so I said in the beginning, is he judges as righteousness. And when he judges, he will separate the righteous and wicked. So he will separate the righteous and wicked. So his work is not finished here, but he will judge the wicked and righteous. So even in the world and even within our church, we're mixed together. I hope that all of you have been made righteous. And there may be those who may think I'm not righteous. And even amongst us, he will separate the wicked from the righteous. And that's very scary. In Matthew chapter 13, Matthew chapter 13, verse 47, very important. Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but threw the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace where they will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So these are fearful words and we have to wake up and be alert. So the fishermen let down the net and it caught all kinds of fish and they are pulled ashore. So it's as if the church throws the fish net into the world and we are like those caught by the net and brought here. Only the big fish are caught. The small fish escape and they go out. So when you throw a net, the tiny ones, they escape, but the big fish are caught. And those who say, I am a sinner, I'm the worst of sinners, are the ones caught. So it's not just any sinner, but the high level sinners that are caught easily, that are that repent easily and caught easily. So say, I am a sinner, the worst among sinners. So raise your hand if you believe you can't think of a sin. So then you're like an eel that escapes the net. But if you realize you are a sinner and came to church and hear the word and believe, you have become righteous. You have been made righteous. So do you understand? So there's nothing written that they took the fish and put them in tank and kept them. But rather, it says here that they're separated from the bad fish. So when the fishermen pulled ashore, the good fish were put in baskets. Will be taken to the new heaven and new earth, but the bad fish are thrown away. That they will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them in the blazing furnace. So, our church, the congregation, are all righteous people. We, so say, I am righteous. So, among all the righteous, we are all. So among all the righteous here, he will separate the wicked from the righteous. And what will he do with them? He will throw them into the blazing furnace, the fires of hell, the blazing furnace. So even amongst us here, if you were caught in a net and came to church, 
in our church these days, there aren't many who, those who say, I've been dragged here, but they are those who came voluntarily like the worst of sinners. Because they, and not, not like I think I sinned, or maybe not. If so, you're like a small fish that can escape the net. But if someone asks you if you're a sinner, automatically you raise your hand, then you're considered a big fish that can't, that couldn't escape the net, and you were brought here. And but it says when they they separate the fish, it's from the good and bad. That the good, if you're a good fish, you're taken to the new, new heaven and new earth. If not, however, you'll be thrown into the blazing furnace, the hell fire. So there are those among us who will be thrown into the blazing furnace. So raise your hand if you think this is talking about you. Then what do you do then? What must you do? We have to repent and live as the righteous. Righteous. So we read in the opening passage that there was an owner who went far from his town and returned and he brought his servants before him. Then the master comes and separates his people. It will be as a shepherd separating the sheep and goats. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. So it's the inheritance that has been prepared for you since before creation. He says, Come, take your inheritance. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And then verse 37, it says, Then the righteous will answer him. The righteous will answer him. Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in? Or needing clothes and clothe you? So when did we see you sick or in prison or go to visit you? It says the righteous, but these righteous did it without realizing it. But God acknowledged them as righteous. So to the righteous, they had righteous acts that they did. And after a while, he acknowledges the righteous acts and says, take your inheritance. So the righteous acts that they did, he acknowledged them and he separated them and distinguish them. And those who have done these righteous acts will be put into a storage barn, and those who didn't will go to the blazing furnace. And to those on his left, he said, Truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. So he will, through these acts, he will separate and distinguish them. So the righteous to the storage barn and the bad to hellfire. Truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me, go to eternal punishment. So the righteous into eternal life and the wicked to hell. So the problem is that we have become righteous easily by hearing the gospel and by believing it and have been made righteous. Amen. And we are among the congregation of righteous people. Amen. Even so, to those who do not do righteous acts, eventually they will be put into the blazing furnace, hell fire. So we have to wake up at this point. So good works, righteous works. We have to do all these things. But among them in Hebrews chapter 5, Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. So what he is seeking from us, even though you spend all these years, be it 10 or 20 years, you are still craving milk. But the solid food is only for those who have experienced the word of righteousness. So like steak, 
That's hard. Only the mature have strength to eat such things. But the young, like babies, only crave milk and are barely sustaining life. But on the last day, he will separate them. Though it may be difficult and hard words to obey, the words of the Lord are the words of righteousness. The words of the Lord is the food I the soul must eat, so help me eat it. Help me to have absolute submission and absolute obedience, just as the Lord Jesus Christ obeyed uh, the command of the Father to become, the, by obeying the word, whatever it is, help us to obey. Amen, hallelujah. So when the Lord Jesus returns, we can be those entering the new heaven and new earth and enter the kingdom of our Father God and shine like the sun. And while we are still in this flesh and still in this world, we, by nature, uh, we were born as uh, children of wrath and we have a sinful nature, but by praying and by submitting to the word, let us be those acknowledged as the righteous when our Lord Jesus returns. Hallelujah.